great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You? I have a greater responsibility than you could possibly fathom. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. I'm dying in your beds. Many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! This is Sparta! Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, broadcasting from what I was told is Austin, Texas, but I am not quite sure. I've been here, MapQuest brought me here uh, not map quest this is 2003 a way has brought me here and mario texted me the address and so i'm here in austin i've been here for about an hour i have not smelled marijuana yet so i doubt this is austin it must be on the outskirts a near suburb is this austin it is austin yep. okay yep. i don't know what's going on you're losing your touch austin texas but this is our by the way, Mario, let's just, this is a different show. You're here. Say aloha. Aloha. And for maybe some of the newer listeners, they don't know that there used to be another guy on the Jason Jones show named Mario. That's, that's me. And that's you. That's, that's, yep. And the show exists because of you. We should talk about how that happened. We'll talk about that. Now, here's the deal. Why, why is Mario back on the show? I had to hire a team of lawyers. We had to sue him. We had to send him an NDA. And we're just like, listen, it's now the Jason Jones show. I'm a big guy. The big guys from Hollywood showed up and they said, hey, we like you, but the, the other guy from Nicaragua, he has to go. It didn't really happen like that. Not announced. Th this isn't the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but they're like, how's Mario back? Well, Mario's back because yesterday I looked as I was uploading the show and it was episode 299. 
which means a lot of things, which means there's been more episodes of the Jason Jones show than MASH, than Seinfeld, than Friends. So there have been a lot of Jason Jones shows, and I thought I have to have Mario back on, which I always want to have him on a lot back on, but I want to have Mario back on for the anniversary show. And then I, I thought I texted him, but I think I texted another guy named Mario. <laughs> So that's one, one block. Maybe the guy with the carts, the Mario Karts guy. Yeah, yeah. But I texted another Mario, and I didn't hear back. So I called you and said, Mario, you, we need to do a show tomorrow because uh, I'm heading to Ukraine, and I want to have you on my 300th show yep. to look back at when yep. this show was founded. And you're like, I'm in Austin, Texas, not Hawaii. Yep, and, and you were expecting me to pick up from Hawaii because it was evening. Everybody yeah. was asleep at home. Yeah. So you're expecting... A call of me being in Hawaii and just receiving the call. Or you had no idea that I was I thought here. You'd be sleeping. I was just gonna leave you yeah. a message. And then, by the way, I'm here for for business, and that day was stacked. And today, I'm flexible. Praise God. Yeah. So, so I threw the recording equipment in the truck. Yeah. And I you're here. Down. I'm here yeah, in Austin, it, Texas. I think you said it. It's a Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit action plan. Yeah. Saint Peter is my scheduler. Yeah. So, okay, so here we go. First of all, this episode is being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the most vulnerable people in the world when the world is left. Uh, thanks to our generous donors. Um, just this uh, past couple of weeks, we've rescued almost 1,000 Christians from Khartoum. We rescued nuns uh, from a neighborhood that has, three days after we evacuated them, the news reported it was utterly demolished and, and uh, atrocities happened. And, and that's what VPP does. When the world leaves, we show up. We stand with the most vulnerable people in the world until they're no longer vulnerable. And you can stand with us as we stand with them by going to thegreatcampaign.org, becoming a monthly donor. This episode is being uh, also being brought to you by MyPillow.com. Go to MyPillow.com, use the code Jones, and you're going to get deep discounts on great things like their wonderful pillows, which don't get hot. And summer's barreling down on you. You don't have to flip the MyPillow over and over. It's produced by a patriot, made in America, and it's just an all-around wonderful company. And in order to stay free, you have to stay informed. The very best newspaper in the history of the planet Earth, maybe since Benjamin Franklin was an editor, and maybe even better than Benjamin Franklin's newspapers. And that's Epic Times. You know that. Go to iReadEpoch.com. Use the code Jason Jones. Jones for the pillows. Jason Jones for the newspaper. And you will get your first month. For only a dollar, we're going to talk to Mario about a lot of things coming up next on the Jason Jones Show. Mario, welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Awesome. It's good to be here. I want to, I want to talk about three things. All right. I'm curious what you want to talk about. One, it's been 300 shows. I'm curious about some, some highlights. Some highlights from 300 shows. The other thing that I want to talk about is the inception. I'm curious if we revisit it. It might have been the first episode that we talked, or the first or second episode about the inception of the show. From your perspective and okay. mine, I'm sure yeah. they're not equal. Yeah. And then also I want to share that there was a moment, at least, where the show was in danger. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. That's a whole Spirit Whole Foods. Action plan. Whole Foods. Well, if you want to talk about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, of course. That, that's the, uh, it's the, the divorce. That's the, the breakup. Yeah, so yeah. we can talk about that. And then how God just kind of stepped right up. Yeah. And, and I listened to, obviously, anybody, you know, no one likes to listen to the sound of their own voice, I don't think. Mm. 
It's like you're listening to you doing an air check on your podcast. It's a very painful thing to do. Um, coming from radio, that's where I started in the nineties. And then I took a detour into film. Um, but hearing your own voice or looking at yourself, especially if you look like me, that's even more painful than hearing your voice. And uh, I wonder if Eduardo's like, oh, man, I just love watching myself on film. It's just. Does he uh, walk in slow motion? He's like, I love watching myself in slow motion. Why don't I get a shampoo commercial? <laughs> and, um, but no, so I don't do a lot of air checks. I don't listen to my show. I'm, I mean, that would be weird. But I did listen to the first episode coming down here. And so I want to talk about that first episode. And it was mind blowing. And so I'm going to ask all of you. If you haven't already, if you haven't in a while, that first show is in many ways more relevant now than then. So I want to talk to you about the first episode and um, what we talked about it. And then again, why the show existed. So I just want to start with this. When we first started, if you remember, I was very insecure. I thought I was horrible. I thought you weren't so great. I thought the <laughs> microphones, I just thought the sound quality sound wasn't quality, wonderful. Yeah. And I was just very insecure. And... Um, and, and I was also insecure because I thought, I'm not going to, if I'm going to do a podcast regularly, it's not going to be scripted and it's not going to be affected. It's going to be me being me. And I also thought it was going to decimate, God forbid my donors found out about the show. And I don't think for years I even shared it with uh, my organization or with the list. It just, it existed. And I just kind of tried to keep it away from people that supported my work, I think, uh, especially, you know. More well, a proper, more appropriate, folks. But, but go ahead. What made you want to continue? I mean, there's so it seems, it seems like there's so many obstacles. Sound quality. You weren't even sharing it with it. What made you want? Well, I mean, to I was continue? sharing it on, to my friends and social sure. media. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I okay. I'll tell you why. Uh, the main reason why I wanted to do the show was during the collapse of Iraq to ISIS. No, this is big. Mm. I couldn't get the information out anywhere. When my um, work with the Uyghur in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. We couldn't get anyone to cover it. And I just thought, I want another platform to shout into the wind. I just want documentation. So when my great-grandchildren are going through Ancestry.com and there's like a little section on their great-great-grandpa, they're going to find out, they're going to listen to it. And my great-great-grandpa spoke out against the Uyghur genocide. Like that was kind of like, I think I even said it in the earlier shows, like this is really for my posterity. I don't know how many people are listening. And early on, we would be really happy when we broke 100 listeners. You know, we'd be, do you remember? We'd look yeah. at it. We'd be ecstatic. Yeah. And yeah, we had somebody listen in an exotic country called Canada. Now, Mario, like we have listeners in most countries of the world, wow. which is unbelievable. I mean, most countries on the planet earth. Yeah. There's somebody listening to Jason Jones show every episode and Europe and central Asia, the middle East, it just lights up like a Christmas tree. When you look at the, I can show you um, where the downloads are. Also, interestingly enough, in Beijing, every show gets like exactly 27 downloads. So I don't know what department that is over there uh, at the CCP headquarters. But thank you for listening. And I hope you uh, use the code Jones when you subscribe to Epoch Times. What would you tell, what would you tell yourself if you were to go back to episode one for that journey? And, and also, like, oh, but here's what I want to say. Okay, I want to get right. back to it. Yeah. So when I listen to it, man, that show's awesome. That we were awesome. The sound quality wasn't bad. It was mm -hmm. not great. We were doing it in a hot garage, you know, but the show was really good. And man, maybe I was even better. I'll tell you this. I sounded very young. It was just five years ago. I, I think I had a little more bounce in my voice. I always try to, you know, convey joy and joy. enthusiasm, which is hard a lot of times for the past two years. And I've talked a little bit about this. 
I've been a bit despondent and it, and I've weathered some tough times with the work that we do with the Vulnerable People Project. There were months and months and months that were dark. But the show was great. And so I think I was just a real hard critic. And um, I said on the first show, you know, when I worked at Clear Channel, they would give a ho hosts a year to find their voice. And uh, maybe this is a crack on our show now. I don't know if I've improved. Maybe I've devolved. The show is great. <laughs> And I felt like I was like, this guy has his voice. I, I texted a, a friend who never misses an episode, and I said to her, Bev, I said, Bev, I, I listened to the Jason Jones show today. I'm a fan. It's pretty cool. You should listen to it. And she laughed. Um, so, no, it was really good. Um, and then when I laid out the course of why I wanted to do the show, like, wow, we stayed, we stayed right with it. It's, we've done everything we said we wanted to do with the show in ways that are absolutely unbelievable. And then I'll just say this. The other thing I got from listening to episode one, it was before cancel culture, before the woke mobs arrived, before Antifa BLM, before wow. COVID, uh, before the collapse of Afghanistan. Um, but in that first show, I defend Rosie O'Donnell, who at the time was a hardcore leftist who hated all of us, when she had an ambient meltdown on Twitter and the cancel culture came for her. She may have been the first real victim. Roseanne. Roseanne, what did I say? Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, Rosie O'Donnell. I'm sorry. Yeah, Roseanne. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, Roseanne. So I'm like, wow, I'm defending Roseanne, who isn't my political ally, from cancel culture. And I map out the dangers. We didn't even, the word cancel culture wasn't even out. And I said, we cannot allow this to happen. We have to ask ourselves, even if it's politically expedient, even if we have an opportunity to destroy somebody who would take the opportunity to do us, destroy us if the shoe was on the other foot. We cannot do it because we recognize that she's a creature made in the image of God. And she made comments that were construed as racist or maybe even sounded racist, maybe even were racist. But, but is she a racist? Correct. Is she cruel? Is she vicious? Or was she a woman who had a horrible reaction to anti, I think ambience for anti-depression, I don't know what it's for. But she, to medication, she had a complete meltdown and we shouldn't be cruel. So I was like, oh, wow. I was proud of that. Like, there's a lot of conservative shows that they don't miss an opportunity to smack political adversaries. Especially when they're down. Yeah. I don't Easy. do I, I, By God's grace, I, I don't think I've ever done that, uh, at least on the air. Um, in that first episode, I came to the defense of, um, which reminds me, let's go to the inception of the show. Mm. You tell me your memory of it, and I'm going to tell you my memory of, of it. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I went to the pro life march in DC alone. Actually, you know what? I was, I was, uh, I made friends with the, the, what is it? The secular, secular pro life. Yes, folks. And I was like, hey, do you guys need uh, somebody to take pictures? And uh, so I joined their group as they were marching. Um, I, I'm obviously Catholic. But you were living in San Francisco at the time, and they, the time. A, they had a huge presence in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just active in the, the parish that I went to. Um, they would show up, and they were friends of ours. And, uh, and then one, I forgot, I forgot his name. He, he might be even listening, but a friend, a common friend of us got invited to one of your sessions where you guys Do you remember were, who it was? I don't even remember. Uh, he's, a, he's an SF guy. I forgot his name. Special Forces guy? No, no, no. I think he's like Oh, a, San Francisco guy. San Francisco guy. But anyways, he's like, hey... Uh, Jason, because he knew that I had married a uh, person from Hawaii. Okay. Uh, and uh, he said, you need to connect with Jason because he lives over there. And I was still living in San Francisco. So I, I randomly by myself with a backpack 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Went to your... Yeah, you, look like, a, you look like the guy I saw outside of the Democrat headquarters on January 6th. You, you kind of look like that guy. <laughs> and I walked in. I, I think you or somebody asked me to put my backpack away. And then I, I saw you guys pitching. I think you were pitching the documentary with... The Divided Hearts of America. Divided Hearts. Which is now... Hearts. It was made. And that wasn't... <clears throat> I was thinking about that. When you do the types of projects we do, and I... I tell everyone what my plans are. You know, I'm going to do this. And I do that because it's like putting chalk on a target. Mm. And I want to be held accountable by my loved ones. Where's your book, Mr. I'm going to be an author? Mm. Where's your movie, Mr. I'm making a movie? But it takes a long time to make movies, seemingly, but not really. Yeah. Um, and so that was five years ago. Um, really, four. Yeah, exactly five years almost. Five years ago. Yeah. And... That this movie has been out now for two years. So it took three years from our first investors meeting to being on Amazon. Or, I'm sorry, to being on Fox Nation. Yeah, we were on Fox Nation and it took three years. It seemed like forever and we had COVID in the middle of it all and that was catastrophic. But yeah, we met at the first um, pitch meeting for Divided Hearts of America. Yeah, and I heard you speak and something lit up inside me hearing you. And I'm like, this guy needs a show. That's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I'm, an, I'm an avid reader, and I'm an avid podcast listener. I watch YouTube videos here and there, but those are my two main things. And I'm like, this guy has the voice. I didn't know your radio background. I know you had been a producer, and I'm like, this guy needs a show. And uh, I connected with you. I told you of my GoPro days because I worked at GoPro. And I said, I'm, I'm here to serve the cause. I think you, you grabbed me by the shoulders, and you put me against the wall, and you said, Wait, but are you really Catholic? Do you remember that? I don't. Do you actually ask? Like do you do that to people? <laughs> I all the time. People tell me these weird stories that I things that I do. Yeah, like, yeah. When I hear other people tell the story, yeah, I'm like perspective. I'm weird. Yeah. Well, you know. Anyways, I I was exaggerating a little bit, but you definitely put me in the corner. And you said you said you're Catholic, but are you really Catholic? And uh, and then we had a phone call afterwards, and I, th I think you were passing by through San Francisco. We went for a hike. We went for a hike over, over my layover. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and somewhere around there, I was like, hey, listen, let's just start and see where it goes. I can edit it for you. And that's how the, the podcast just began. So here's from my perspective. I forget <laughs> who it was in San Francisco, but somebody said, hey, listen, there's this big shot from GoPro, and he can maybe fund your movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay. And can I get him an invitation to your donor meeting? at um it was at a mansion that was owned by william f buckley or something like it was something strange it was owned by the cia and the william f buckley and this so it was and it's i don't even know what it's fund for something or another and they allowed us to use their facility to do um a pitch for our film and uh so we did and you were there <clears throat> yeah and you were and, you, you know, you, you had said, I don't know if you remember this, I don't know if he sent you something or not, but you said, I watched some of your FaceTime lives or Facebook lives. They're mm. awesome. And, you, and I said, yeah, I stopped doing them. Because I, I would get tens of thousands of list people watching me on Facebook. And I do these kind of funny f videos with my family or my That's kids. Right. That's right. And then, like, one day it went from, like, 10. As soon as I went out, it would be 100, 500, 10, 1,000, 500. Yeah. And um, I'm like, then all of a sudden it was, like, six three five i was like either everyone got together on a zoom call and said this guy is is out we're boycotting his facetime live streams facebook live streams 
or they totally nerfed my page. And I'm, I'm guessing y'all didn't get together and vote me off the island. Facebook voted me off the island. And, um, and so that was a, I became addicted to it. Like, oh, I can go on Facebook and talk about the Uyghur genocide. And in a minute or two or three minutes, I'm going to have thousands and thousands of people listening. So when you, and, I, and I'd been wanting to do a podcast and pod, podcasts were a thing. I love radio. In Hawaii, I did local radio. Local radio is the best thing on earth. And early on in one of our early shows, I said, to me, this is going to be local radio too. It's going to be me finding my tribe. At the end of the day, why did I persevere? I wanted to find my quirky tribe. And now the show last week on the top 100 podcast in the United States. And this show has become the number one. It's the Jason Jones show. It's not a part of the Vulnerable People Project. Um, but the Vulnerable People Project is our sponsor. And it is the number one source of revenue for VPP, which, which for me was strange because I, I really did think that um, uh, people wouldn't like me. The other thing is, uh, <laughs> isn't that everybody? <laughs> yeah, I did. I thought they were going to go like, I'm not writing this guy. If no we, check. If we become vulnerable, if we share our actual, yeah. you know, like, oh, this isn't because no I like give it. a pro-life speech. They see a very narrow sliver. Sure. Something that Dr. Dobson said to me, it's probably lurking in the back of my brain. Something when I it was like in, in the nineties, I had cornered Dr. Dobson of founder of focus on the family, he had a huge radio presence in the seventies, eighties, nineties. And I think he's even still on the air and he's like, you know, very, very old. Um, I think he still has not deleted, you know, Noah's cell number from his phone. <laughs> I think they knew each other. Yeah. And, um, but he, uh, I cornered him, which I would do as a young person. And I say this to all young people, when you're young, you can do whatever you want and get away with it. So ask all your mentors, ask everyone you look up to for advice. And most people are going to be extremely generous with advice and then you're gonna have to discern sometimes they give you really bad advice sometimes they're jerks i'll tell you one of my heroes was really a jerk to me he was probably tired or had a rough day um and not that i'm to the level of him uh, as a person you know as a public persona but it, it hurt my feelings as a young person and it made me try to be very thoughtful even when i'm tired even when i'm upset even because i don't want to i don't want to hurt a young person so when you're young you, you ask everyone you look up to, write them emails, ping them on Twitter, whatever you're going to do, and ask them your advice. So I, I cornered Dr. Dobson at an event, and I said, I need, I, one day, I said, I have this vision, this is in the 90s, of a Christian human rights organization that protects the, it was 1999, that, that, um, that from the child in the womb to the child in Yugoslavia, I think I said, um, that we're going to be a consistent advocate to protect children from violence. Nothing like it exists. But you as a Christian psychologist, there was nothing like what you did. And you created a space. You created an organization that was one of a kind. I don't want to create another pro-life organization. I don't want to be, as Peter Thiel would say, a one to N. I want to be a zero to one. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't have that thought, but I love the book Zero to One. Yeah. But that was what I was thinking. And I knew it was going to be hard. And I said, can I have... Can I ask your advice? And this is the only advice he gave me. I think it was good advice. <laughs> he said, when, young man, I believe you. You're going to pull it off. You're going to do this. You're going to create an organization that's as influential as focus on the family. Okay, I have done nothing like that yet. I've got, you know, by God's grace, maybe 20, 30, 40 more years to pull this off. I, I plan on working until I'm dead. Um, 
He said, but here's, here's my advice. Don't let people get to know you too well. <laughs> like, really? Yes. He said, because if you become a public person like me, you become an empty vessel. People are going to have, they're going to fill in the missing parts with their imagination. And you'll never be who they've created you to be. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But, and that's why sometimes I'm overly harsh on myself. I, I, I maybe even share too much because I don't, I want to shatter any illusions that people might have. But he said, so it's best to keep your distance from people as you become more, if you become successful and prominent. And because uh, you'll always let them down. Wow. And that was sort of like a really honest kind of brilliant confession. And then years later, his organization snatched from him by his board of directors. So <laughs> anyway, why did I, what, what was I digressing? Oh, so the other thing I wanted to do was when I said find my tribe. Yeah. Man, we found our tribe. We have people listening all over the world. And there was, um, I, man, I wish I remembered her name. There was a, a, one, a woman who has this great YouTube channel for moms. And she made a YouTube video last week. Instead of doing this, do that. Mm. And she said, instead of listening to Joe Rogan, listen to the Jason Jones show. And she talked about how her husband on deployment, the show was a grace for him. Wow. And that is something I thought about. The other thing I always thought about was I remember being a young man working the night shift at Home Depot, listening to Art Bell. Art Bell, if you remember this guy, it was like about chupacadras and like devils and alien abductions. And it was very depressing stuff. And even at that time, and when I worked for Clear Channel, I tried to pitch him a show. This was like my hope to be a big famous guy at the time when that was, I gave them an idea. Can we do an overnight show that's like the morning zoo? It's just the overnight zoo. <laughs> and we'll do it from Hawaii. So go to Hawaii every midnight from midnight till four in the morning with the Jason Jones overnight zoo. And the idea was for all these people, the police officers sitting on the side of the road with their radar gun at two in the morning, the guy driving the cherry picker in a warehouse in Ohio at four in the morning, um, the person whose wife just left him and his kids are living across town with his wife and another guy and just staring at the ceiling. Yeah. Rather than listening to something depressing, I was like, what if we had a fun show with a lot of people? So there was one guy ranting at him. You'll be hanging out with a bunch of folks. Yeah. That was the idea. So I said this on the show about two years ago. Uh, you know, I, I, Love the idea that there's some young man working his way through community college, driving a cherry picker, listening to the show. I hope that's true. I hope this makes your, it a little better. for Some young man from Ohio flew to Florida to one of my speeches because he was driving a cherry picker to an Amazon warehouse. And he listened to the show? And he, he heard me talk about a young man. I think I even said in Ohio or Michigan, there's some young guy driving a cherry picker. What? Mm -hmm. that just, that so to me, that right there, and then put in brackets... All the resources y'all have given us. Look, I'm from Texas now. I said y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that you all have given us um, to save lives like the nuns that we just saved. Yeah. And then yet some young man is driving his cherry picker around. Some soldier, a Marine, is on the other side of the world listening to the podcast. And it's like he likes it. Man, Mario, that's all you. And I think about you all the time. Like I'm so grateful that you launched the show with me. No, man. I mean, thank you, but I, I just feel like a small little block in the, the building that you've been able to build, this temple pretty much. So I'm, I'm so grateful. I do want to talk about the time that the show almost didn't happen. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, I think we went to, I mean, it's a short 
little story. But we, I was going to end the show. I was yeah. like, the show's over. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I was because I was also editing the show, yeah. and I was not meeting deadlines. It, you, you know, we were trying to do episodes that were very relevant, and they needed to go out in twenty four hours. I just couldn't do it, so I, I kept telling Jason, "Hey, Jason, can we do?" content that is just evergreen that doesn't necessarily have to go with the news and that was not the vision that you had and i'm like i just don't know if i can help you anymore because i'm not meeting deadlines i'm juggling a bunch of other things and uh i think we left it there and we knew that you weren't getting paid no you know right so it was like you're like dude i got a family i got a job like i'm I'm, i'm i'm here to help you but uh i was you know you're not you're not the priority yeah yeah so it was up in the air. I don't think we like officially broke up or anything, but it's just like, I don't, it's not meeting the vision. I can't help anymore. And then and I wasn't even mad. It was just sort of matter of fact. Yeah. I was like, Mario, if we can't take phone, if I can't interview guests by the phone, yeah, by cell, because so many people are like, I need to call and sell. Yeah. If we can't figure a way how to do that, if we can't get in 24 hours, no, no harm, no foul. I just don't want to do the show anymore. And that was that. Look at that. That was that must have been in the first third. Uh, the first. I mean, it was pre. It was right before COVID. It was January of twenty twenty. Something like that. And then this is what happened. This is the unbelievable part. Um, I met this wonderful guy. This guy calls me like, "Yo, this is Mark. I'm <laughs> I'm with the Mayo Quincy Mass, and we want you to give a speech." And I was like, "Yeah, uh, sorry, dude." Um, you wrong Jason Jones. Like you want the Jason Jones married to Samantha B because uh, I'm pro-life. He goes, yeah, no, the mayor's pro-life. But I'm like, it's Quincy, Massachusetts. Don't tell me that. I don't believe you. It's a Democrat. Well, he was a Democrat. Da, da, da. So Mother Olga, and I knew who Mother Olga was, this Iraqi nun. I said, we'd like you to give a speech. I went to give a speech. He started listening to my podcast. love your podcast. I have some Hollywood buddies that are going to make a secular podcast company. And maybe we'll work together. I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. Whatever. Okay. And then... Um, I'm driving home. We met. You had moved from San Francisco to Hawaii. Hawaii. And I just, I called my wife. I got in the car. I called my wife. I said, podcast is over. And um, and the truth is, at the time, it hadn't been bearing fruit. And we've been doing it for two years, maybe. Yeah, something like that. It wasn't like donors weren't coming in and audience was kind of stagnant. Um, we had a good audience, you know, but it wasn't what it's become. And I, I just, you know, so I was kind of like, eh, oh, well. Brother, before I hit my Noah from Hawaii Kai, which is how far is that? <laughs> 20 minutes? Not no. even, dude. It's like 15 minutes? 10 minutes. It's like two highway exits. Uh-huh. Like literally one highway exit. One highway exit away. That's after our meeting? Right. You don't know this? No. I didn't know it was right after. No, 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 no. Before it- I hit my Noah, I get a call from Mark in Mudhouse Media. Yo, we want you to partner with us. We're going to sell ads. We keep 50%. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you my deal. <laughs> just 50% is theoretical. Keep something, okay. Yo, right. yo, that's how they talk in Boston. Yo, we're going to have a deal, and uh, we'll sell ads for you, you know, like MyPillow and Epic Times, da-da-da. And uh, we're starting a podcast company. It's going to be a lot of big names, and they do. They have a lot of big names. I'm the only conservative Christian show there. They got, like, Patrick McEnroe and a lot of Hollywood people. And, uh, hey, listen to what we're going to do for you. In exchange for that, we'll edit your show. We'll get it up within an hour of you sending it to us. We're going to get you a, a Roadcaster Pro, this thing right here, which has Amazing. been working out for three years. We're going to send you a Roadcaster Pro. It's going to sound great. We're going to upload it for you. We're going to sell ads for you. All you need to do is do your show, 
put it up, <laughs> and there we go. And there we go. I just I, now I'm, I'm offending everyone in Boston. You're like, that's not how we talk, idiot. <laughs> this is not how we talk in Boston, okay? But this is how I talk. Yeah. If I were from Boston, <laughs> so before we hit the and I said I got home and I said to my wife, it looks like we're doing the podcast. She's like, what are you talking about? Like the White House media guys called. And then I met with them in L.A. the next trip. We were at the Chateau Marmont. I got to drop the name. It's like where John Belushi died. Mm. Really beautiful place. And they had a bunch of their Hollywood folks that they were going to be doing their shows with. And I remember telling them, guys, if you do this for, for me, I'm going to do the show to the day I die. And I think we're number two. We're number one and number two. I go back and forth with Patrick McEnroe. And Patrick's on CNN and ESPN and... I think uh, our embassy, he's got a big, you know, he's on TV all the time. He's, uh, it's, and his podcast is the number one tennis podcast in the world. So, um, yeah, so that was God's grace, brother. And then what made this show grow was the tragedy of COVID. I get arrested. I'm the first person in the world that was arrested leading anti-COVID lockdown protests. Then I'm on Steve Bannon's The War Room. Alex Jones is covering me. I accidentally launched the Film Your Hospital movement. And then when I went on those shows, all of a sudden... They would say, and you can follow him at the Jason Jones show. That's right. Then I had a real, it wasn't a hard decision for me, and maybe it was an imprudent decision. But I remember thinking, I am not going to become the anti-lockdown podcast. I am not going to become the Steve Bannon show. I'm not going to become the Alex Jones show. I, I want to keep on with my mission. And so I kind of, I was doing a lot of anti-COVID protests and, and anti-vax mandate protests, and we would discuss it a lot on this show but I always wanted to stay faithful and not just because I now had a toothache because I was locked down, had to move. I'm still going to stay focused on genocide, the victims of genocide, democide, war and abortion. And I'm going to really do my best to keep this podcast grounded in what it was founded to do and sort of not kind of become an accidental alt-right podcast show, which is those shows are great, but that wasn't the vision that you and I had from the very beginning. And, and that was a pre, like uh, pre Roe versus Wade. Uh, yeah, Roe versus Wade had not had, overturned. Had not had overturned. Yeah, unbelievable. And you, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I, I was just I wanted to highlight. I don't know if you want to go down this route, but uh, just two episodes that I think uh, have made a big impact in me. And I'm curious about any any ones that come to your mind. One to me, and I don't remember all the details. I just remember the amount of joy and insight and vision was mike huckabee remember when you had him yeah very okay. short you love that show i really liked it i, 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 I didn't I, like that i, had some I, didn't reservations. Like it. I didn't like it at all it, i think it was a little short and it just seemed like he was very i felt love you mike huckabee <laughs> i felt that mike i tried to just be me yeah and i was talking to mike huckabee or i felt mm. very reserved I try to break you down and get you into the just like of two friends talking. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard. I do these like sometimes I'll go into some weird places, like kind of confessionals. Where I'm just being very honest and speaking as if no one's listening. And then I load it up and surprise, there's like you know, 50,000 people listening. But um, I didn't like that show. I just felt, I mean, Mike was great, but I felt like that was Mike on every other show he's ever been on. That was just got Mike it. Huckabee being Mike Huckabee. Got it, got it, got it. The, the public persona, Mike Huckabee. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you that you're being a little hard on yourself. 
And then I really enjoyed that episode. <laughs> well, the, the other one was I forgot his name, but he's a big deal. Uh, Steve Bannon, no, Alex Jones. Uh, I have. I don't think I've listened to those. Okay, I've I've listened to you and their shows. Okay, um, it's the guy. Uh, is atheism dead? The writer. Um, he, he did. Uh, oh, Eric Metaxas. Yeah. Oh, come fantastic. on, Eric's great, man. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Actually, that book I'm rereading. That book. And is great. if I'm going to highlight a book in this episode, wonderful book. Wonder. No, okay, and have you read his Fish Out of Water? No, that's the bio. And I think we did his the first interview with Eric Metaxas on Fish Out of Water. And let me say this about Fish Out of Water. It is the most, it is the coolest memoir I've ever listened to. I didn't read it because I love Eric Metaxas' voice. <laughs> and if this Fish Out of Water is awesome. Look, the, I'm jealous. Like the two, I don't envy anyone. I envy the writers of Babylon B and Eric Metaxas. Like if I could be <laughs> those guys, I mean, Eric Metaxas is something else. And, Fisher, and the other thing, what I admire about Eric Metaxas is the world has offered, been offered to him on a silver platter time and time and time and time again. And Eric Metaxas just walked, not that he's a very successful guy, but this is a guy that Obama invited to the White House after Amazing Grace. He wrote Amazing Grace to, to do the National Prayer Breakfast, and he smacked Obama down in front of the entire world. You've got to watch it on YouTube. It's unbelievable. He did a video response. No, 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 no. He was at the White House with Obama right next to him. Oh, at the prayer breakfast? And just smacked him down on abortion. And he was invited there by Obama. And he's like, basically, you brought me here to celebrate my book on slavery. But mm -hmm, look at you on abortion, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, don't invite the guy that wrote Bonhoeffer. I'm going to watch If that you're a politician, right? here's a note, guys. This is what you can learn from the Jason Jones show. If you're a politician and a guy wrote a book on Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Don't invite him anywhere publicly with you, period. Just don't, because he's going to have to challenge you. Yeah, no, no, no. So, yeah, I'm a huge. Curve. Yeah, so that was a great show. Yeah. So those are your two favorite shows? Those are the two ones that come to mind. I'm sure I have other ones, but any, any ones that, any episodes that you really enjoy that you'd like to, other than the episode one that you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, well, okay, from my memory, oh, I feel like this is the old family ties, because the, the producers of family ties were really lazy, mm. and they would always do these retrospective shows every season. Like, oh, and do, oh, who, I was hated like, those. Do you remember when? And they I mean, would like all go back in time. Okay, we're not doing that, guys, I promise. Um, well, I'll tell you what I'm very grateful for. Uh, first of all, <coughs> our, our, when Afghanistan was collapsing, I had someone I named Anonymous, who was a very, very high-ranking, you know, general, effectively an intelligence agency. Um, probably one of the, the foremost experts on Iraq and Syria in the world, um, for wounded four times in the war on terror, one of the first Americans in Afghanistan after 9-11, if not the first. And he came on the show as anonymous to break down from the invasion, from 9-11 actually until the collapse of Afghanistan. And I, I received an email from an undersecretary of state that said that show was better than anything briefing he's ever had. I also heard from the Republicans on the Capitol Hill, members of Congress, that it was sent to them and everyone in the caucus was asked to listen to it. So that meant a lot to me, uh, to be able to speak for the people of Afghanistan in a way that I knew that an undersecretary of state listened to it, many members of Congress listened to it. Um, and then the main reason I created it was for like the Yazidi and the Uyghur. And just today, Sally Hudaya's publicist was like, Sally wants to come on your show today. This show has built up an audience of a tribe that moves when asked to move. And so that we can speak on the Uyghur genocide, we can speak on 
um, the plight of Afghans that we can advocate for the most vulnerable people in the world when the world has left. The show is growing and growing and growing. Um, and really, we haven't even begun. We're about to do phase two, I guess, the phase three. If phase one was our, we're us working together. Phase two has been with Mudhouse Media. We're going to be going on video. I may, I may be doing a television show with the network um, where I, I advocate for vulnerable communities around the world on a television show. And we want this podcast to collect all those folks that are going to discover us in our work. Wonderful. Yeah, and that's going to probably launch toward the end of the summer. Uh, I'm really grateful for that. And then also during COVID, when a lot of the big shows, I'm not going to throw anyone in the bus, people I admire, were like wearing masks, getting vaccinated. You know who I'm talking about? Some of the biggest shows who are on our team now. Um, they weren't then. And I was right out the gate. I wasn't falling for that. How did you smell that? Because, I mean, nobody knew for certain that something was off. How did, how did you smell it? Well, I, I didn't smell. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what I smelled right away. And I wrote an op-ed about this right after the Italian lockdown. I knew that if the world followed Italy's model, it was going to lead to crushing famine. Mm, that's right. And that's exactly what happened. Even the first protests where I was the first person in North America arrested protesting COVID policies. And I was on the cover of Drudge in handcuffs and the cover of the Honolulu Star Advertiser in handcuffs above the fold, Jason Jones in handcuffs wearing his Italian March for Life rosary t-shirt, which was awesome. Um, by the way, the best way to fill up your email inbox is to be on the cover of Drudge Report in handcuffs. Like you will hear from people you have not heard from since junior high. Like, I always knew you'd end up bad, Jason Jones. I always knew I'd see you in the news on handcuffs. Um, even at that first protest, were you at the first protest? No, 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 I didn't participate. Okay, even at that I was first lockdown in my house. <laughs> That's because you have Asian in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed going, to say that? Going. Am I allowed to say that I have an Asian, I have Asian in-laws too? So I'm allowed to say racist things on my show. Um, so am I? Am I wrong though? Am I wrong? Okay, keep going. <laughs> so um, you know, I said even then in my speech at the Capitol, and I said on the TV shows that I went on after being arrested, never charged. My money was returned to me. By the way, I, I said my fear is famine. The poorest people in the world are going to starve to death. And it was. It was the, we had the worst three years of famine since World War II. And thanks to, uh, thanks for, um, to David Beasley and the World Food Program, and he won the Nobel Prize, it was very thoughtful and moved into action. In this show, early on, we had people from the World Food Program on. We had people from the Trump administration on. I'm talking in April of 2020. On this show, we were laying out the coming famine. And so really my obsession was famine. And then with the vaccine... Come on. It's an experimental uh, therapy, and it required the use of embryo destruction. The tech, you know, it involved embryo destruction. And I had an insider at the White House, and I knew the bishops went to the White House and said, we can't use this vaccine. Mm -hmm. And it is what it is. Trump and Pence said, whatever, we're going forth with with, uh, warp speed. And then the bishops folded and said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll advocate for it. But the bishops actually went to the White House. And I know this from an insider, big insider. And they said, we won't be able to support this. And they said, yeah, you will. And they did. Mm. And um, so I'm not going to participate in, and I'm not going to take a technology that is derived from destroying human embryos. I'm not a vampire. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, the left, 
is they never think about the unintended consequences of their actions. Yeah. And so the unintended consequences, even now, somebody who's listening, if you're leftist, I'm about to walk you through it. You're like, what is this guy talking about? That's how you sound to me. <laughs> what is this guy talking about that the lockdowns are going to starve people in Africa and in Brazil yeah. in the rainforests of Central and South America? I'm going to tell you how, brother. Because when you slow down production, processing, and distribution of food, the people that are on the margins that are about to collapse into hunger, collapse into hunger. Yeah. And the people that are in hunger and are about to collapse into starvation, collapse into starvation. It's a very fragile ecosystem. And the people who, who, are, who have really strong systems just fight over toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They do. No, and they complain about Zoom calls. Yeah. <laughs> I saw so many articles, The Atlantic Magazine, Zoom fatigue. Yeah. It's a real thing. You know what's a real thing? starvation how about that that's a real thing too you know and the news media never covered it and if you remember hawaii i was constantly being harassed because the homeless were being harassed Mm -hmm. so i was like my phone number became the 911 for the homeless Mm -hmm. they they raided the homeless camps on the west side of oahu i still they come up on my facebook memories Mm -hmm. there i am they would call me the homeless would call me they they made national news because of me i actually leaked the, the video to the press where HPD came in and took away baby formula and diapers from the homeless living in homeless encampments on the west side of Oahu. So, yeah, the vulnerable were brutalized everywhere. One of my best friends committed suicide in Hawaii. He had uh, my friends who worked for HPD told me that the, the suicide epidemics in Waikiki especially was unbelievable, never reported, mm. never reported on how our homeless suffered, mm. people with uh, already struggling with mental illness suffered. And then, of course, the most vulnerable people around the planet Earth were suffering. And so the Jason Jones show... And those really dark times became a voice for a lot of people. And then that's when we built the audience that we have today. Mario, like every time I travel, somebody comes up to me and says, I love the Jason Jones show. I was in a museum with my family and this young couple came up to me and said, hey, I, I, don't, I, I never saw you, but I, I'm listening to you talk. And are you Jason Jones? I said, yeah. This was in Fredericksburg at the Naval Museum. That we went to the Nimitz Museum. And um, this, you know, this happens once a week. And we're still not, you know, we're not... Uh, um, Steve Bannon, but we are not striving to be. The fact that the show is so recognizable and has built such a large audience with sort of the mission. Mm. You remember when I said this in like the first or second show Maybe or third show where I said, my goal is to be winsome, funny, and entertaining and tell interesting stories so you're not paying attention. I talked to you about genocide, democide, war, and abortion. I don't remember me saying that. But, um, and now people are like, you're not winsome at all. I, I want to switch to... Uh, before we wrap up the the show uh, on the stuff that you're working on right now, but I w- do want to ask you like a very dark question. Is, is that okay? Yeah, I mean, I might lie to you <laughs> with my answer. I heard a terrible, horrible joke, and I think it's a little dumb too. But there's some kernels of truth that deal with God and suffering, which I think you encounter okay. more than so- a lot of us. All right, it was, it was Ricky Gervais. Talking I to, love that guy. Yeah, talking to, I think, Seinfeld. Okay, love He's, that guy. And horrible jokes, so I apologize. I know beautiful secrets about Seinfeld. I can't tell people, but really? if I could tell, I'll tell oh, you Oh, you cannot? No, no, I can't. They, they're awesome. He's uh, awesome. The guy's awesome. Uh, anyway, go on, go on. Anyways, he says something like, uh, the, uh, the Jews, the Holocaust. It's a Holocaust joke. So apparently, like, a Holocaust survivor okay. goes to heaven. All right, is this your revenge for me kicking you off the show? You're no, gonna, not at all. You're going to get me canceled right now with Holocaust jokes? You, you think that'll do No, it? I'm just kidding. Okay, go, okay. go, go, go. Anyways, it's a, I, I, it's a horrible joke, but I think I want to, it just, it's, it's, 
it's a kernel of, okay. of, of suffering in yeah. God and, and something I, I want to get your insights. So he says something like, it's a Holocaust survivor that goes to, uh, goes to heaven, encounters God and asks God, uh, it tells God a, a Holocaust joke. And then God apparently says, that's not funny. And the Holocaust survivor says, well, I guess you have to be there. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you about that. You know, I know more about this than you can imagine. Yeah, exactly. So I want, so I want you to say because that, that joke has been, yeah. I hate it. No, 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 no. But it's awesome. been, it's that's, been. That's why I love human beings. Do you know, I had the privilege of hanging out with Dave Chappelle, one of only three white guys that were invited during COVID lockdowns. He was throwing parties. Mm. And I know, well, I mean, maybe there were more, but I heard, the only ones I heard were like, uh, David Letterman was there for a while and Seinfeld was there and I got to be there. And one of the things, like just getting to spend a week with comedians is they're the best proof of God's existence. Like artificial intelligence <laughs> is never going to come up with that, okay? So that right there, that joke proves the existence of God. That joke proves the existence of God. You just, only a creature made in God's image could come up with that. that, okay? So so here's the deal. Um, in the 90s, there was a, uh, he, he taught at UCLA, and he wrote books on jokes in the Holocaust, what? Yeah, and I'd read this guy's books. I, I mean, this was 30 years ago. And it was really, I was captivated by it. And these were, he would write books on, he wrote a book on, at least one book, on the jokes that they would be telling in the concentration camps. What? What's interesting is, yeah, I read, so I read, I read this in college. Blowing my mind here. The jokes that we make around the VPP office, we talk about, like if, if this were released to the public, we're done. We're done. Not really. <laughs> I think people will forgive us, like yeah, that sure. joke. But I'll give you I'll give you an example. <laughs> you don't have to. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So you know, with the work we do, people call me a saint. Now, the people that work for me literally are saintly. Like, yeah, yeah. my two main partners were nuns, and my other partner snuck into Afghanistan to rescue his wife. So I am surrounded by literal saints, mm. and I am not okay. So I'm like the guy. If you've ever seen Amazing Grace or, or read it, it's it was like the Jacobin that was with all the wholesome abolitionists, is like drunk and rowdy all the time, but he's against slavery. So I was just so tired of like people, you know, saying nice things to me. I would say this horrible joke to people, like State Department employees and everyone. They would, oh, you're so great, like you're da da you're a humanitarian, and I would say, yeah, we we save everyone, and they would say that, like you save everyone. I'm like, you know, we save everyone except for the Irish and the Jews. Okay, that was our <laughs> joke. <laughs> and, and then the last Jew in Afghanistan who listened to this podcast, he's my brother. Yeah, yeah. And he was in hiding. Like, they didn't, the world doesn't even know he exists yet. He's in Canada. Like, we had to keep his religion a secret even when we got him to Humanitarian City. So then I told everyone, ah, there goes our joke. Because, <laughs> you know, we rescued him. I said, well, we still haven't saved a single Irishman from <laughs> Afghanistan. But you know that we know of. <laughs> we'll return <laughs> December. Yeah, he's like, yeah, an Irishman's like, uh, don't tell them I'm Irish. They're not going to help. But here's the thing. You know, how does a human mind... I'm going to tell you, and if you're a regular listener to the show, I don't know if it's come through. I have been despondent. I don't have not despaired, but I have been in a very dark place that I probably just came out of a couple months ago because of our work in Afghanistan. Yeah. It was so jarring. I'm going to be in Ukraine this week, and it'll be jarring in a different way. Just like in Sudan, uh, someone who was working with us in Sudan rescuing these nuns was killed last week by a sniper. Okay, this is heavy stuff, and then I got to come on the Jason Jones show and have a bounce in my voice, right? Yeah, yeah. 
But what was devastating to me was when there was a bombing at a school called the Kaj School in Kabul. And this school was on a list of schools we had identified as being vulnerable. And it was on our list of schools to try to fundraise for, to provide security for. But it wasn't at the top of our list. What we didn't know was that it's where they did exams, like sort of like, uh, what do you call them? Not entrance exams, but uh, we call them Iowa skills testing. I don't think they call it Iowa skills testing in <laughs> Afghanistan. That would be weird. But, you know, um, aptitude tests, what do you call it? Uh, come on, Mario. Sure. Uh, not SATs. Just, it's just, like an SAT. Okay. So it's like an SAT test. So young uh, students from all over uh, Kabul came to this one school for this, like, basically SAT tests. Mm-hmm. And ISIS had the clever idea of let's bomb the SAT test because then we'll impact every corner of Kabul, mm-hmm. you see. And 120 students died. Oh, my gosh. Okay. If I can't tell you how guilty I felt about this, I blame myself for this. If I would have fundraised better, if I would have uh, or, uh, prioritized schools in a different manner. And I wrestled with this so much, like November, December. And then all of a sudden, like, I came out of it. Like, I came out of it completely, I hope, I think, more or less, where I feel like I'm back. Like, Jason's back. You know, yeah. who I was before. I'm not so oppressed. Because I realized, hey, megalomaniac, psychopath, you, Jason, uh, who do you think you are? Yeah. You, you, you fundraise the best of your ability. You only have so much bandwidth. You got a, you, some bandwidth for fundraising, some bandwidth for writing, some bandwidth for operations and management, some yeah. bandwidth for your family, yeah. you know? And, um, and just learn. I learned when assessing risks, I have to be very, we have to really be thoughtful and we have to have systems. Okay, why is... We have to think about things. So in the future, okay, um, where do the standardized tests take place? That's the word I was looking for. Interesting. Okay, we have to like just not think of what is the ethnic population, what is the security system. No, we have to ask ourselves questions like, um, do they have countrywide sporting events here? Do they have standardized tests here? Um, da 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 da. Yeah. So I really kind of popped out of it. So I have uh, the word i've come up with is i've felt despondent and it's like this i have not despaired i've not lost my faith in god at all if anything my faith has just increased but it was kind of like this i'm here god and you're there i love you but not right now brother like does that That's make sense you to god yeah kind of like that, yeah I mean. like i love you i know you're all good <laughs> but uh i'm going to mass yeah. But I'm not thinking about you. Does, does that make sense? Like, I'm just kind of like, oh. That's where you have been? I have been. Or? I'm still a little, I'm, I'm grappling with it. Yeah. You yeah. know, one of the things that I always talk to my family about, my kids, is our thoughts and our feelings, we have to separate them. Yeah. And when you're, you're able to separate your thoughts from your feelings, it's a beautiful thing. So I can, you can hate your mom, you can hate your dad, you can hate your husband, you can hate your wife. You can feel just disgusted, angry. Yeah exasperated, confused. Like, I will say this. I will say the past, especially the first year after the fall of Afghanistan, um, just really, the word I would say is I was confused. Yeah. I, there's, a, there's a friend of mine who's in Ukraine right now. I don't want to share too much. But he's in a position where he's felt betrayed by a lot of people. And that's what he said. He, he goes, Jason, I'm just, and this is a guy who is an American hero. And he said, Jason, listen, I'm just, 
I'm, I'm, I, he, you know, he didn't have the words. I said, you're despondent. You're despairing. You're confused. I said, you'll, you'll think you're, you know, you'll figure, you'll think your way out of it. This is going to make you stronger. That's what he said that you, no, gonna, I said that to him. I okay. said, you'll think your way out of this. You'll wrap your mind around this. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, I'll have him on to talk about it when it's all done. And in fact, I'll be meeting with him when I go to Ukraine, yeah. um, next week. But, um, I said, you know, when this is all over, um, share the story publicly, you know, let's yeah. tell the world about what happened and you'll figure it out and it'll make you stronger. But it, it comes to a point where you just, you're just really confused. So I don't know if that's, uh, I, I've talked my way out of being canceled because of our imprudent jokes. <laughs> Mario comes on the show dropping Holocaust jokes. I, I do have another like image from what you're talking about with uh, prayer life. I, have I told you about the, the nun and the pebbles or something? I don't like there, there's somebody there at a hospital, and there's two nuns walking down the hall, and they see somebody throwing rocks at a statue of Jesus on the cross or something. Okay. And then one of the nuns says, "Like, let's go stop that right now." And the other one says, "Hold on, hold on stop. Uh, he's praying." It's it's oh, it, that's is, beautiful. Isn't that it's beautiful? Like it, the the worst thing that's that we can do. Beautiful. He's praying. Yeah. Oh man, isn't I it? love that. Isn't it? I don't know where I, oh, I'm I got stealing that. From. that. Yeah, he yeah, is yeah. praying. That guy believes in God. Yeah, that there's kid, a relationship. You're not throwing rocks at something you don't believe in. <laughs> it's exactly. Oh, hey, that you're is not walking awesome. away. You're not giving your back. That's kind of quirky, cool. Like a boot. The Buddhists have really cool parables. Like that. Yeah, like that. That's like, that's a really cool quirky parable, yeah. and I'm stealing that one. Yeah, and 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 it reflects on my my faith journey. There's there's years that I just gave God my back. You know, no relationship. So, it but just that'll never happen again. You may impossible. You might I'll, say, I'm going to sit here. <laughs> You sit there. Yeah. yeah We're going to yeah. take the train together, but yeah. uh, I'm going to be in a different car. Yeah. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Do, do, you, do you encounter, uh, before we move on from the topic, do you encounter God like in little diamonds here and there? And, oh, it's un unbelievable. Oh, yeah. No, no. Here's the one thing. Like I, when I always say with the VPP team, we don't do anything. God does stuff around us and we just point at it and take credit. Oh, wow. I mean, no, I see God. And this is where this, this is why it's been so. Look, I, I've been doing this for over 20 years. And I've been in the product movement in a, in a real way for over 30 years. Um, but then after graduating college and sort of the Hero Inc. VPP movie movement thing. But the past two years, it's been just unrelenting miracles. Mm. So it's interesting that you can have... I saw... I've been saying this for years. and I just saw a video clip of Carl Jung saying this. Mm. Someone asked, do you believe in God? He says, no. Mm. I know God exists. I don't do believe. believe? Oh, wow. And I will say that's where I am. Like, I do not believe. I don't believe. I don't have faith anymore. Yeah. Um, I just know God exists. Like, I know Mario exists. Yeah. And I know when I'm frustrated with God, it's my weakness. It's my mm -hmm. narcissism. It's my neurovision. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I've learned over the past couple of years. It's, it's very confusing. I will say, you know, the questions I have, we have... Afghans who are very smart. I'm going to show you. I'll show you a video. Some of them sent me. I can't share publicly. We have in a guest house. They, I always call them safe houses, and they refer to them as guest houses. And that made me so happy because we put in water purif water purification systems. We try to improve the appliances. Mm. We try to click classes. Everything we try to do to sort of lessen the mental anguish that we know they're going through. Mm -hmm. And so when they thanked us for the guest houses, I was like, it's not a safe house to them. It's a guest house. Like this mm. is wonderful. <laughs> Um, but then I, I just, you know, the, 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 one of the things I struggle with the most, um, I went to a psychiatrist for one 
visit because of this. She works with drone pilot. After the college school bombing, I talked with a psychiatrist one visit because uh, they're very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'll deal with this myself and <laughs> save the cash. Oh, yeah, yeah. But she, uh, she was great. The one conversation actually helped a lot. But she, she works with drone pilots and journalists. So there's something to being outside of the catastrophe. Oh, drone pilots, like uh, that they manage drones? Yeah, yeah, um, she works oh. with drone pilots. Wow. Because drone pilots and journalists and I guess human rights workers, yeah. you're not the target of the catastrophe, but you're an observer. And it's very confusing. Oh, it's wow. very weird. There, there must be some name to that sort of Yeah, I'm sure like there third is. Third party, but you want to be a mm. participant. and Yeah, you, you know, you just, it's very strange. Yeah. And... Um, and, and with the work that we do, um, I was going to say, this is the question I have for God. Like, why are people that are better than me suffering more than me? That's the thing. You know, like the, 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 going back to the guest, or the folks that sent me this video in the safe house, there's political leaders, military leaders, moms, dads, kids, yeah. really artistic. They show me their, the kids make these drawings for me and yeah. send me pictures. And, and I'm like, wow, like, if we were, if you were to put me in that guest house and draw a bell curve of greatness and being a human, I would be at the end of the bell curve. I'd be on the far left <laughs> bottom of the bell curve, and yet I'm driving a Toyota to jujitsu, drinking a you know a fruit smoothie, and um, uh, eating chickpeas. I was going to say that that's what a saint says, but then you said fruit smoothie, and I don't think that's a saint. <laughs> can I be Jiu-jitsu honest? could be. No, no, I don't drink smooth. I don't even know why I said fruit. You know, I all, it has to have chocolate and banana in it. Go. I don't actually. Yeah, have definitely drink. not a saint. You know, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm like, why did I, I have never drank a fruit smoothie in my life. I may have taken a sip well, out of my daughter's when well, I'm handing it to her. Thanks for entertaining. I, I told you it was going to be dark, but it's just, it's, that joke has been just. <laughs> my uh, can I tell you one of the jokes I remember from the book in the 90s yeah so one of the books was uh, it's very sad and these were jokes actually told during during to each other unbelievable yeah one of them was um, you know how did we get here how the door how, how do we get into Sachsenhausen how? right there the door how are we leaving the chimney these are jokes they would tell each other. You know, like, that's not funny. It's not funny at all. But you picture they chuckled. They chuckled. You have to picture like they were. And another one had to do with, yeah, I don't want to say, but this just points to um, the beauty of the human person. When I was with some Iraqis and we were near, um, not too far from ISIS, one of the Iraqis turned to me and he's like a brother. And he goes, well, my friend, I have something to tell you. We're ISIS. Like, an ISIS isn't too far away. And uh, he said, um, <clears throat> I think I've told this story, this bizarre story before. He goes, you know, we're ISIS, and, uh, you know, we're about to hand you over uh, to be tortured. He said that? You American pig. Yeah, so he says to me. Okay. And I said, oh, thank God. I was hoping you were. I was starting to lose confidence. I said, you know, I have seven kids. I don't even have a college fund, and I have a lot of insurance, and I was calling this trip my ISIS scholarship fund for my kids. Thank you for coming through for me, brother. Oh, wow. And he laughs, and he says, you are an Iraqi, my friend. You have an Iraqi sense of humor. Wow. Well, of course I do. I don't have to know much. The Iraqis have been through a whole bunch. They've lived through tyranny, totalitarianism, relentless wars with Iran and the United States occupation. So and then the rise of ISIS. 
So that there is something, whether it's Iraqis or Jews in a concentration camp or human rights workers, you the, the strange um, sense of humor to me just proves God's existence. And, and G.K. Chesterton said that the, the secret word, um, I, I might mess it up, but something like the, the secret word that is in between the lines of every sentence in the gospel is joy. Really? Yeah. So wow. I think that when people who are suffering tell each other these sort of dark jokes, um, it's an attempt to have joy break in for a minute. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of a revenge mm -hmm. and uh, against the darkness. And this is the problem why we become such a prissy mm -hmm. culture because we're, we're bloated, you know, Every want is immediately satiated. So when, you know, some 19-year-old college student shoving an ice cream cone in his face at his dorm, is like, that's not even funny at all. Because you've never been hungry. You've never been scared. You've never been, I could say a lot of things you've never been, unfortunately, because <laughs> of porn, but I won't say. There's a lot of things that, you know, and it's sad. Technology's ambushed them. They're vulnerable because of all of that, and, it's, and, and they've been robbed. Vulnerable people, too. They are. No, I got to speak to a, a Nevada university last week, and I told them how privileged they were for the first hour of my speech. And then in the last 30 minutes, I explained to them how by having Eros robbed from them, they're actually also among the most vulnerable. Um, wow. So I don't, want to, I don't want to seem nasty there. Blow my mind, though. But, but there's a point there. Yeah, but, the, but it is that they don't understand. Like, those kind of jokes will just seem like, what? That's not funny at all. Well, you know, yeah, you have to be there. <laughs> Yeah. That's the point of the Holocaust joke. You have to be there. And maybe we shouldn't tell jokes that you have to get to be there. Yeah. But, um, okay, so what do we, I want to, so I listened to the first show. We talked about, we defended Ellen. We, um, not Ellen. Um, the divorce. The divorce? Oh, whatever, where, where the podcast was in danger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, so my, my favorite shows have been where I've been able to speak up, where nowhere else in the world will let me speak up. Yeah. So I'm going to have to have you on for like the, uh, we should have you on every hundred shows. I'm, I'm in. Right on. <laughs> yeah, just call me up. I'll probably be in Texas by then. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to time every, oh, maybe I'll be in Hawaii. We're shooting a movie in Hawaii in December. Oh, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. could be it. That could be it. This movie, by the way, I've been planning to do since before COVID. Mm. And it's a Christmas movie, and I just didn't want people with masks Walking around. Is that the brother and sister? These people listening, you bunch of people trying to steal my movie. Well, that's ideas. a good way to end the show. Yeah. Yeah. Coming soon. <laughs> my Christmas written by Jason Jones, directed by Jason Jones, being shot by Jason Jones in Hawaii yeah. in December. So we'll be there the whole month of December, hopefully hanging out. Well, just my last words. I got to remember to pray for your organization, to pray for you and for your team. And we thank you for what you do. And, and for involving us in, in little ways, including just editing your podcast. Well, that's a big way. <laughs> I have ADHD. <laughs> and by the way, the team is this audience. Like, Mario, you built the instrument that knitted together my tribe. Um, this audience has almost increased our donations by 200%. Incredible. With not a single 
employee needed to be involved. Just me. And, and, and then this is something I wrestle with. Every time I do a show, we raise money. I can I go weeks sometimes, over a month sometimes, because I'm traveling and I'm just yeah. emotionally, guys, when I'm gone, it's because I'm emotionally exhausted and broken and I can't come on and say, Jason Jones show. And he'll be like, hey. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it is this dilemma that I know if I can do the show more consistently, I know if we can put it on video. Yes. Um, our ability to work and get more work done with our vulnerable parish program where we're securing parishes in Nigeria and Malawi and other countries. We were able to snap to it and rescue nuns. A priest was just kidnapped in Sudan. We're trying to get back right now. Um, and all of that requires us knitting together teams and teams requires money and no organization does, no organization does more with less. Very few do more with more, um, than VPP. And it's just our structure, which is we knit together teams of the communities we serve. Um, so we're very small, we're very nimble. Um, and the show allows us to raise a lot of funds, um, with not we don't we just now for the first time in twenty years have a development manager that's come on this week, so um, that's a big deal. Yep. So our, our goal is to uh, um, increase by a thousand percent in the next four years our revenue because our work has captured the world's attention. We get so many demands or not requests. We get so many not demands but so many requests for support from people who really need it. Um, especially Catholic communities that are suffering genocide and, um, you know, experiencing extreme violence. Yeah, and the other side wants your your spirit to be broken. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that, man. You, you might make me a little, you know, confused for a while or discombobulated or frustrated. You ain't gonna, by God's grace, I don't think you're going to break my spirit at this point. Amen. Well, Mario, thanks for coming on the show, brother. And uh, I just want to thank you guys. I hope this wasn't obnoxious. This could have been like really narcissistic. And oh, look back at my podcast over 300 episodes. But, but I got to tell you, for me, it means a lot to do this with Mario. Every, every time when I look at how much our organization's been able to do because of this podcast, I always think of Mario. Oh. And I'm always grateful that you pushed me to do the show. And I always think of this audience because, guys, you are my tribe. The messages you send me, the support, the prayers, the miracles that happen constantly, I know are because of your prayers. And you need to know that you are a part of an audience. I don't think there's a podcast in the world. I mean, maybe like when you get a Joe Rogan show that everyone on earth is listening to, and I'm sure everyone on earth is listening to, but a show of this size to say that we have audience in almost every country in the world, um, regular listeners that I love seeing like Chile and you know, um, Mongolia and Taiwan and Sweden. I, we have a lot of Scandinavian listeners. I think it's because I look like you guys. <laughs> I think you're like, this or guy sound like looks like us. Yeah. Uh, I got to listen to this guy because he looks like my uncle. But um, when, I, when I see how people are listening all over the world, and I know you're listening because um, your teeth itch at the thought of vulnerable people suffering, and you come here because you want to be a part of the solution, and you're my tri you know we're a tribe. And Mario, thank you for helping us knit this together. Honor. Let's keep going. And now we're gonna go eat some Austin food. Amen. I bet you we smell marijuana before we get to the restaurant. Okay. If here's the deal: if we smell marijuana, what do we do? You're buying. <laughs> okay. If we don't, I'm buying. Do you take it? Okay, we're gonna be sitting outside. Do, do you take it? 
Sure. If we, but no, I'm saying if we smell it before we get to the restaurant, um, you have to buy. If we, we don't smell, smell marijuana before we get to the restaurant, I have to buy. All right. Let's Are do you it. up for that? Yeah, whatever. And you know what? It's looking good for you because I haven't smelled it yet. And I'm like, this is weird. Okay, well, I don't think Austin, you're confusing me. It's pot o'clock, so that's oh, yeah, you got to get your meeting. All right, guys, this has been the 300th episode of the Jason Jones Show, which is probably like 700 hours of broadcasting. And I'm not a mathematician, but that's like a couple of days at least, right? How many days is that, Mario? Um, so thank you guys for listening. Those of you who've been listening for years, thank you very much. For those of you who share it, I can't thank you enough. For those of you who have become a part of the Vulnerable People Project, by going to thegreatcampaign.org, this is what I'm going to ask you. For our 300th episode, I'm going to ask you to donate either $3, $30, or $300. And I'm going to look at that and go, bang. Boom. That's a Jason Jones show listener right there. That's a great idea. So go to thegreatcampaign.org. $3, $30, or $300. If you do $30, that's almost one tarpon and action pack for a refugee, okay, in Sudan. If you do $300, um, that is the the, 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 the that's a lot. Let's just move on. We got to go eat. So go to thegreatcampaign.org. Three thirty or three hundred or three thousand or three hundred thousand or three million or three hundred million. And Elon Musk, if you're listening, you do three hundred million. Elon, you can do it at thegreatcampaign.org. Don't Elon, don't use the credit card. We don't want the processing fee. Oof. Call me on that. We'll do the wire. We want to save that money. Thegreatcampaign.org. Three three hundred thirty. You get the deal. Um, also this episode is being brought by mypillow.com my pillow our first sponsor and it, it so, means so much to me that they're a part of the show and that uh, summer which means you need those sweet sheets you need that that, that comfortable pillow that's not going to get hot so you're flipping and flopping it all night long to keep cool go to mypillow.com use the code jones for your deep deep discounts stay free you got to stay informed epic times you know it best newspaper in the world go to ireadepoch.com use the code jason jones and you get your first month for only a dollar. And I'll say this, I'm going to Ukraine. Probably do one or two more shows before I get on that plane. And I've called Epic Times. I said, can you send a reporter or a news crew with me? I, I want to get some coverage on the things that I'm going to be doing and seeing. So look for that. Hopefully Epic Times, is, they're, they're, they're really working hard to be able to send a crew or at least a journalist with me on my trip to Ukraine in the coming days. All right, guys. Until next time. And the Jason Jones Show with Mario. Aloha. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Mudhouse Media.